Let's just stand there if you want to keep playing for a minute, Justin. Let's just pray for a minute, if you will. Just take a moment there with the Lord. Just like it said right there at the end, I melt in his peace. And I know when we worship like we have, that the peace of the Lord is here, his presence in here. He's Jehovah Shalom. He is the Lord, our peace. And so just let that peace sort of wash over you right now. I want you to fix your eyes on him, his goodness. Jesus is everything. This isn't a religion. This isn't just a form that we go through. This is, this is a person that we worship. This is a person that we love, and he's everything. Just get your eyes fixed on him. The Lord has a path for you. And the scripture says that the path of the righteous gets brighter and brighter unto the perfect day. And some of you think you've been down a very dark path and you're wondering, man, how, Lord, are you ever going to make this path come back to a place where it's brighter and brighter unto the perfect day? I just don't see it, Lord. But I just sense the Lord taking you by the hand taking you through some weeds that have kind of gotten in on your path a little bit and tried to, tried to grow up to the point where you couldn't hardly see the light. And I just see the Lord leading you through that. And he's smiling because he says, even, even these weeds I can make a way through. Even the thorns and the places where it got dark, I can make a way through. And here's the key. The word says to trust in the Lord with all of your heart Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. See, demonic circumstances come after your trust. But he says, you can trust in me with all of your heart. You can yield to me and you can lean not on your own understanding. But in all your ways, you acknowledge me and I will direct your paths. And so right now the Lord is directing your path. And maybe you can even see that. Some of you, you've got questions before the Lord or maybe even questions about direction. And the Lord just says, you know what? I'm the one directing your steps. I'm going to show you this path and make it abundantly clear because the path of the righteous, my chosen ones, are brighter and brighter unto the perfect day. And here's the thing. The reason you can trust the Lord is because you're talking about a person who loves you more than you could ever imagine. Last few days, my little baby, for whatever reason, she's been a little bit sick, but now every time I come to the house, she grabs me by the finger and will not let me go. It's almost like she's afraid to let me go, and it's the sweetest thing ever. And then when I, when I finally have to leave, she cries when I leave. But the other day, we were out in a field walking, and she was holding onto my finger, just leading me around, wouldn't let me go. And I said, and I thought the thought crossed my mind, Lord, this is, this is kind of like how you want me to be with you. And the Lord said to me, no, this is how I am with you. I'm the same way Naomi is. I do not want to let go of your finger. I just want to be with you. It's always we think, well, this is how the Lord would want us to be. No, that's how the Lord is. He does not want to let go of your finger. He wants you with him all the time. He's desperate for communion with you.
because he loves you that much. And I don't think we can understand that a lot of times. A lot of times we get a concept of God where we think maybe he's just up there sort of flustered and wanting us to want him. And he's, he's wanted you so badly that he bought you with his own blood. That's how much he loves you. And so if the God of all creation did not spare his own son but freely gave him up for us all, how will he not with him freely give you all things? Yeah. So the question is, what do you need this morning? Would you just lift up your hands to him? And in faith, as whatever struggle you may have, in faith, would you just ask him what you need? And pay attention to the fact that he gave you his own son on the cross. Jesus laid down his life for you. There's nothing he'll withhold from you this morning. You need healing in your body. You need peace in your mind. You need freedom and deliverance from oppression. There's nothing that he won't withhold. Just, just ask him for it. Just knock on that door. Thank you, Lord. So, Lord, right now I'm praying that your Holy Spirit would come and you would minister to each person right where they're at with whatever need they have in power, God. In power, come upon them. Holy Spirit, fall upon them right now. Fall upon them right now, Lord Jesus. And Father, we just declare that your name, Jesus, is above every other name. It's above every disease, every illness, every sickness, every infirmity. And we command every spirit of infirmity to be broken off of everybody, every person right now in Jesus' name. And Lord, we speak to every unclean and foul spirit that would try to keep people tormented in their mind or, or even in their body or in their anxiety and fear and depression and heaviness that's just weighing on people. We break your power in the name of Jesus Christ and we command you to flee in the name of Jesus. And we speak peace of God right now into every heart. Lord, just let those mountains melt like wax in your presence. I just sense that the Lord's wanting to give people peace where they've seen mountains. Those things just start to, they just start to melt and like come down to the ground and you're like, okay, the thing, the thing that I've been carrying does not seem near as heavy right now. It doesn't seem near as heavy in Jesus' presence. Anybody feel that? Anybody that feel that in his presence? And here's the key. He wants you to stay in his presence. You don't only just get this on Wednesday nights. Amen. This is where we live as the people of God. Just take a moment longer. We don't do this much. It's not a practice for us Christian folks nowadays to linger in the presence of God, but it may be one of the most important things you'll do. Who needs physical healing of any sort? Raise your hand, just right where you're at. I want you to put your hand on yourself, and if somebody's beside you and you saw them there, you can put your hand on them as well, but you don't have to move too much. Just kind of stay here in the presence, because really it's not our hands that do the work. 
But I want you to understand that healing is something that, that Jesus purchased on the cross for you. And the Word of God says that by His stripes you were healed. And we were talking about healing earlier today. And, you know, the leper came. Somebody said, I know God can. It's just a matter of will He. Well, when the leper came, He said, Lord, if you can, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And He said, I am willing. Be cleansed. And so he wants you to be cleansed. He wants you to experience healing. So we command that word of healing right now into your body. From the top of your head to the soles of your feet. And here's the other thing. For some of you, God might even impart wisdom to you for how to help in that situation. But right now we command healing right now into those bodies, Father, in the name of Jesus. And we command peace to their minds. Lord, where it's brought them anxiety and fear and worry. And just say, Lord, I just receive it right now. It's so simple. But just reach out and touch the hem of your garment right now, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Does it feel pretty good? I'm going to let you sit down just for a minute. I'm not going to try to speak too long, but you know how I am. If you let me start going, I get riled. So let's just pray I don't get too riled. You can even play if you want to, but if you want to give your fingers a break, I understand. <laughs> Anytime you need a break, just cut out. But it, it, it sets me in a certain mood, though. You know what I'm saying? Like, if I just had somebody play, playing, like, frosty licks behind me while I was preaching all the time, it would probably keep me, like, in a better mood. <laughs> frosty licks. So Matthew 25, 1 through 13. I want to read this real quick just because of the Lord. The Lord, I, is anybody else in here willing to say, man, the Lord's good to me? Y'all feel that way? I feel that way. I really do. Like so often when I don't deserve it, like when I don't deserve, I'm, I'm, a, I'm of a mindset that a person needs to seek the Lord. You know what I'm saying? Like I need to seek the Lord. I need to pray. I need to fast. I need to be in the scripture. I need to be in the word. And, and, and I'll be honest with you, rarely do I meet my standard and my expectation of what I ought to be doing. I don't know if you, if you ever meet your standard. I don't know if anybody in here is like, you know what? I feel pretty good about my prayer life right now. I don't know. I, mean, I don't know. I don't always feel that way. But even when I'm struggling and at my worst, the Lord usually will come to me to remind me something. And, and sometimes, sometimes I will even sense his love in a warning that he gives me. And over the past month or so, the Lord has given me two dreams where I woke up and I knew he was warning me in a very loving way. He was warning me. right? He was warning me about, about my life with him. That was what it was about, and, 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 and that I don't get it mixed up, and I don't get it twisted. I don't let this ministry Lord, that he's called us to, to be something that's not about him. Because when we talk about ministry, we, we want to minister to the world, but the way, the way that we minister to the world is by first ministering to him. If we don't know the Lord, but we try to work for the Lord, we basically blaspheme the Lord. You can't work for a Lord that you do not know. See, we, we minister to the world because the power of God flows through us because we know and have an intimate relationship with God. And, and last night, I had set my alarm clock for 5.30 because I wanted to get up and come pray early. 
And, uh, and I didn't sleep very good, but finally I fell asleep and I had a very vivid dream. I'm not going to tell you the whole dream, but, but, but the Lord kind of spoke to me very clearly in it. And when I, as soon as I woke up, uh, there, there was something that happened with oil in the dream. I was eating a big juicy steak in it for one, okay? Amen. So that part of it was good, but there was other, other elements of that dream. And, and there was oil, and, 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 and I remember spilling this oil all over the place. And this, this waiter getting upset at me because I was spilling this oil because I had it in the wrong container. It was, it was on a plate. And I, could, I was trying to walk to a place, and the oil kept spilling all over the place. He said, man, you're going to have to pay for that. And uh, anyway, there's a bunch more to it. But I woke up, and I woke up just like that, and it hit me. And I, the, the, the phrase, store oil, store oil, was in my mind so vivid. And I thought, to, and, and like it, it caught me because I thought, man, the Lord's wanting me to pray. I wonder, and I thought maybe it's like one or two in the morning. As soon as I woke up, I said, I wonder what time it is. Wank, 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 wank. It was like the Lord just hitting an alarm saying, I'm trying to tell you something. I need you to store oil. And so here's, this is what led me to Matthew 25, 1 through 13. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins. So he says, then the kingdom of heaven. What's he talking about? He's talking about the end times. They're asking him, Lord, how, what are going to be the sign of the last days, essentially, and of the end and of your coming? And he says, then the kingdom of heaven will be like this. He said, it'll be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. And as the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry. Here's the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will be not enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Now, he talks about the fact that in the end times, there's going to be a delineation. And here's what's interesting. He doesn't just say it's just sheep and goats or, or because, because it's not just the saved and the unsaved. He talks about a delineation among people who are supposed to have a relationship with him, who are supposed to be invited to the wedding feast. There's a delineation. And, and, and I don't want to get into the doctrine of of salvation and all of these things and about making it into heaven because I do believe that the only way that any of us get into heaven is not by how, how we live per se, but it is exactly only by how Jesus lived and died on the cross for us. We are saved by grace through faith, not of works lest any man should boast. But when we are saved, the Holy Spirit comes on the inside of us and we live a transformed life. And so, I don't, like I said, I don't have time to get into all of the dynamics of that, but it seems like there's two groups of people who should be going to the wedding feast, and one group had some oil, but they didn't have enough oil. And another group, they had enough oil to see when the bridegroom was coming at midnight. And he said some were sleeping, and basically they're unaware of the day that they're living in, and there was a cry at midnight. Now, midnight is the darkest hour, is it not? 
I don't know if y'all, I, I don't know how people feel about it anymore. You know, they talk about, old timers will talk about how used to when you go to church, they would preach, they preach the coming of the Lord, right? Like all the time, like the Lord's coming back, the Lord. And we sort of get, got away from that a little bit, right? Because we want, we want to live our best life now. We, we, we've gotten to the place where we don't believe that our best life is the one to come. Amen. We actually, we're actually beginning to believe that God needs to give us our best life now. And He never promised any of that. What He promised is that we're living for an eternal kingdom. We have a short time here. We are to occupy and do business until He comes. We have a role and a responsibility on this earth to advance the kingdom of God for a very short period of time in which there will be demonic attack, there will be suffering, there will be hardships, but we have the Holy Spirit and we have a joy that is unspeakable and full of glory and a peace that surpasses all understanding and an anointing to overcome this world so that other people can be pointed to the coming kingdom. And he says there was a cry at midnight, and a lot of them had fallen asleep. Falling asleep means you aren't aware of the, fact or the reality that I just said. You're not aware that he's coming back. You're not aware of what he's called you to do here in this earth. And there's a cry at midnight, and they say, give us some of your oil. Because, I mean, you know, if the Lord comes back and I ain't got enough oil in my lamp, what am I going to do? I'm going to say, boys, give me, let, let me get a touch of that, Clay. I mean, uh, let, let me have a little bit of that oil. But the wise are watching and the foolish are blind. But here's what I want to say about the oil. The oil does not come from a good church service. The oil does not come from you listening to a good sermon. The oil will not come from an anointed pastor or minister laying hands on you. He says, you all have to go and buy your own oil. We can't give you this oil because this oil only comes one way. This oil only comes through intimacy with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only way you can get the oil. That's the only way that the oil comes to anybody. And I, can be, I, I want to be honest with you. In my own life, since I have been saved, the Lord, by His grace, drew me into a place where I had an intimate, I've had an intimate relationship. I have known the Lord, and the Lord has known me. I'd even say that there have been times when we have been, we've been the very best of friends. And I like to say on paper, you know, you know, you know, how, you know how sometimes you got friends and it's like, man, we grew up with the best of friends. And, and maybe, maybe you ain't talked to that, each other that much in the last couple of years. You're still good friends though, right? You just ain't talked to them that much. So, so you've got to get back into a relationship to get to know what's actually happening with them now to rekindle that relationship. And the problem that I think with some of us is, one, we've never had intimacy with the Lord in the first place. Or two, we did have intimacy with the Lord at one point, but now it's like we're an estranged friend. We're still friends. We may call each other up once a year. You know what I'm saying? But there's not that oil of intimacy where we know the secrets of one another's heart. And that's what the Lord wants more than anything from us. And He says, you got to go buy it. The oil doesn't come through anything but honestly through time. The oil takes time. You know how Jesus, his favorite, one of his favorite places to pray was Gethsemane? Gethsemane means oil press. It's a place where a bunch of olive trees were. They'd pluck those olives. They'd take it just down the way to a big press and they would begin the process of making olive oil. And it was a process that took time. And Jesus was a man of great intimacy with the Father. His relationship, here's the thing. Jesus' ministry before it was to you and to me, it was to the Father. 
Before he went and did any other work, because of his relationship with the Father, that's why the anointing of the Holy Spirit came upon him. The anointing of the Holy Spirit came upon him when the heavens were opened up and the voice of the Father said, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. I know this boy. He's mine. And the Holy Spirit comes upon him. It came out of that place of intimacy. And even when he's hanging out with his buddies, he'll get up early in the morning and leave his buddies behind to go be with the Father. Why? Because he's got to store that oil. He's been given that oil for a purpose. That oil is what's going to allow him to accomplish the ministry that he has. Without that oil, he can't cast out demons. Without that oil, he can't heal the sick. Without that oil, he doesn't have wisdom to speak to the Pharisees. Well, now you say, but he's Jesus. He's God in the flesh. But he said, I do nothing except I hear my Father say it. He was completely reliant upon the Holy Spirit, completely in need of the oil to be stored in his life in order for it to be poured out on other people. So the oil takes time, and it's easy for us Christians to conform to a certain pattern. We were talking uh, last night, I think Jesse said something about, you know, it's so easy to just become a normal person. It's so easy to just become a normal Christian, isn't it? You know that real Christians are a little bit weird. Somebody amen me, right? Real Christians will spook you out. They'll be in the dollar store laying hands on you. You know what I'm saying? And trying to give you a prophetic word up there at Walmart. Like, real Christians will get weird on you. Real Christians will praise God loudly. Oh, man. That one stung, didn't it? I mean, we sung about breaking down the walls of all my religion. I hear people all the time, they say, you know, I, I, wanted, I wanted to move forward. I, want, I wanted to come. I wanted to do this. Quit wanting to. Do it, my friends. Be weird. Who cares what anybody else thinks? Well, they'll think, they'll think, they'll think that. Who cares what anybody else thinks? You're living for one the audience of one. And if you want the oil, if you want the, if you want the oil, you have to go into it. You have to step in. And it takes time and it takes effort and you have to buy it. It costs you something. Anything you buy, I don't know if you realize this or not, it costs you something. You boys want this? It's going to cost you something. Dan over there talking about buying golf clubs. It's going to cost you something, son. <laughs> it costs you something to have this oil. It's not. Here's the thing. You can't have the oil and be more in love with TV than you are Jesus. You can't have the oil and be more caught up in the flesh than you are the Spirit. It's just an impossibility. The oil comes to a person who has said, you know what, I, I don't, I, I, I'm done with the things of this world and I don't need these things anymore. You know, I was reading in Revelation chapter 3 whenever he talks about the lukewarm church because he warns the churches over and over and over again. He says, the one you've left your first love to this one, he says, you've become lukewarm. You're neither hot nor cold. It's like you sort of got something, but you ain't really got it. You have, you have he says to one, you have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. Like people will say about your church, man, that's a good church. But then when you show up in it, guess what? God ain't there. That type of stuff scares me. Because here's what I understand, here's what I know. God has given me a gift and he's given me a calling. And the gifts and the callings are without repentance. But the anointing, my friend, you can lose. I don't know if that scares you. It scares me to death. I can get up here and have a gift and people can say, man, that's amazing. And people can hear the word of the Lord and the word of the Lord can bless them. But if God is not in the room, what have we gained? 
And that's, that's the place where I've been out most of my life. It's the place where I continue to remain at. I want God more than any. I'm like a junkie for the presence of the Lord. I mean, I'm like an addict. I start itching. I start getting aggravated. I start getting hot. Like, Lord, we need you. I get desperate. And sometimes, honestly, it comes out, it comes out almost in aggravation. It comes out in the discontentment, even in the way that I preach. I'm like, I'm like you know, it's like when we had that worship night that time. I said, now, if y'all want to get in the river, come up. Nobody moved. I said, I'm serious right now, right here. I'm serious. We want, we want this. I know, I know you want it. Sometimes you just need to be told you want it. I know you want it. I know you do. But I, get the, I understand that we're, we're, we're sort of tuned to the world in such a way that it, comes, it becomes very hard for us to break off the shackles to step into it on a regular basis. Amen. Is this good so far? He said, I counsel you to buy from me gold, in verse 18, refined in the fire, that you may be rich, and white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. He basically said, you said you, you're rich, you're wealthy, you have need of nothing. He said, you don't realize you're poor, miserable, blind, and naked. Because you think, you know, I've got my Christianity, I go to church. I've got my job, I've got my family. And he says, no, 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 you, you don't understand. The meaning of life is an intimate relationship with me. Do you have that? Do you have oil? Amen. And this is not a word of condemnation because here's the thing. The way that the Lord came to me on it is this is what he was saying to me. It was, an, it was a loving invitation. So you don't hear this to be harsh. You don't hear this to condemn you. You don't hear this to say you're not praying enough. This is a loving invitation that, that the Lord says, I, I, just want, I just want a minute from you. And then you come to him for a minute, and he says, would you give me two? And you go to him for five, and he says, would you give me a day? <laughs> you know, like that's how desperate the Lord is, because he knows if you come into his presence regularly, he is going to saturate you in that oil. And when you come out in that oil, with that oil in you and that oil on you, it's going to change people around you. It's going to do something. So he talks about the wise and the foolish virgins now what is wise when I think about wise like some people people have even said you know what Clay you're just such a wise guy sometimes we think preachers that preach good sermons are wise listen an education there's one there's one thing that the bridegroom says distinguishes the wise from the foolish it's not education it's not learning it's not the ability to preach a good sermon there's one thing that distinguishes a wise person from a foolish person to Jesus you know what it is oil intimacy if you're wise you have intimacy with the lord if you're foolish you don't and that's how where he says you have intimacy with the lord wisdom flows through you wisdom is granted to you see the foolish they have the lamp they just don't have enough oil in it they got the structure they have the mechanism they have the external they just don't have the oil to fill it how many people in Christianity, they have the external, they have the mechanism, they have the lamp, there's just nothing inside the lamp. There are churches all the time, sometimes, I'm going to be honest with you, sometimes I feel like this church, we have the externals, we have the systems, we have the programs, but every now and then we run out of oil. I'm willing to be honest tonight. Every now and then we run a little low on the oil. Every now and then we run a little low, low on, the, on the presence. And the reason being sometimes is because for whatever reason we get so tuned into the world, we're not hungry for it anymore. We don't want we just come in, it's like another service, three songs, hit me with a word, oh, good one, thank you. 
Praise God. <laughs> Anybody amen me tonight? I mean, this is, this is me. This is good. It's good. And I, and, I, and I understand that we have to continue to be reminded of these things. See, people sometimes in the Christian life, I remember I, I, I cried out for, for fire, you know, Lord, send fire into my soul. It's almost like the Holy Spirit said to me one time, why would I send fire to a place where there is no oil to keep it burning? If I burnt your wick, it would go out just like that because you don't have the oil to maintain that fire. I'm not putting my fire on something that ain't going to be able to maintain it burning. We want the fire of God to fall, but is there any oil? My point being is oil happens in intimacy when we, when we ain't here on Wednesdays, when we ain't here on Sundays. It happens on Thursday night, on Friday morning, on Saturday evening. It happens in those times. You can't come into Sunday never having a, had a moment with the Lord and say, Lord, come on and fill us up this morning. He's not going to send the fire because there's no oil in the lamp. That is good. It's very good. Charles Finney was a preacher. I'm preaching longer than I thought, but I'm kind of feeling this right now. Y'all feeling this? That's what I'm talking about, buddy. Whoever that was, amen to you. You're going to have some oil coming your way. Charles Finney, the preacher, he said, I pray for six days, and on the seventh day they come watch me burn. I like that. I pray for six days, and on the seventh day they come and watch me burn. So how do you get the oil? Just like I said, it's through intimacy. And here's the problem. The world is after your attention and wants you to be foolish. In the dream, I was, I was distracted with everything. And, and people that were distracted and people that didn't want to sit down and eat the meat and people that didn't want any of the oil, people just distracted everywhere. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to carry it around, trying to be. And the Lord said, no, no, you've got to sit down, son, and you've got to feast with me. You've got to come and dine. And if you will eat with me, I will pour the oil out and I will give you a container in which you can hold it, in which you can use it. Don't allow this world to tune you into a place where you no longer receive the oil that I'm trying to pour into you. I was reading in Song of Solomon the other day, and, and it was talking, you know, it's a picture of Jesus and his church, but just one verse, Solomon 5, 5, he said, I rose to open for my beloved, talking about Jesus, and my hands dripped with myrrh, my fingers with liquid myrrh on the handles of the lock. See, it's that, I'm going to tell you something, it's that anointing, it's that oil that opens the lock to the door and lets Jesus come into the deepest parts of our lives. Some people, though, just like I said, they don't want the oil. Do you ever remember a time in your life? I remember when I first became a Christian, I, I pretty much just about lost my mind. I spent, I spent a year, and some people say, well, you can't do that, man. You can't do that. We got kids, and we got this, and we got that. I get it, man. My life has drastically changed. I got a wife. I got kids. I got responsibilities just like the, just like the next person. There's, there's things. There's demands. There's a million text messages. There's emails. There's bills to pay. There's finances. I get all that. There's all kinds of things. But if we do not figure out a way. See, he didn't say to the foolish virgins, I know you got a busy life. He didn't say that. He said, you got to figure out a way to get the oil you got to figure out a way to get the oil. It has to become a priority because we are distracted by a million things, but some people don't want the oil. I can remember, son, when I first became a Christian, I would sit and listen to people preach for hours at a time. I'd go to church on Sunday, and then I'd get home from church on Sunday and go and pray for another hour, and then listen to a couple of sermons, and then pray again, and then go back to church Sunday night. 
prayed up and ready for the oil to be poured out so God would use me to minister to somebody on Sunday night. I tell you, I went Sunday night and I was going to listen to the preacher and I was going to amen him, but I was hoping to God that he would use me somehow, some way. You understand what I'm saying? I wasn't going to let the preacher get all the work. I said, Lord, I'm in here too. Use me. I'm in here too. See, we don't just need anointed pastors or singers. We need an anointed congregation in our generation. So badly. If you read the book of 1 Corinthians, it's not, it doesn't say nothing about an anointed preacher. It doesn't say nothing about anointed worship leaders. It says something about an anointed body of Christ. Sure does. It sure does. The Lord loves you so much, He just wants time with you. You know what the oil does? One place, Psalm 23. It says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And some of y'all's enemies are just straight up distractions. Nothing, nothing more, nothing less. It's your greatest enemy. And you anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. And somebody said one time, you know, that, that, that it's a picture of the shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd here. And the sheep would get little larvae or eggs laid by... Um, flies and stuff like that in their ears and they get so aggravated they start hitting heads with one another and and the the shepherd would come and anoint their heads with oil and the oil would get down in their ears and sort of remove the eggs and the larvae and it bring it bring a peace a mental peace to them the, the the anointing the oil i'm telling you something the presence of god the oil gives you a peace that you truly don't understand and and i want to say this sometimes the peace that we're looking for doesn't come just by showing up and getting prayed for, it comes because you are consistently in the presence of the one who is peace. Sometimes healing manifests because the body of Christ has consistently set in the presence of the one who is healing. It's hard to manifest peace and healing when we've not been connected to the one who is the only one who is those things. Healing and peace doesn't come except from Him. And if we've been disconnected to Him and we just say the word peace, that's no guarantee of a token that it's going to show up. It shows up when he shows up. Amen. I really feel this. I don't know about you all. I, my, my belly's over here rumbling and everything. May, may have just been where I've not eaten a while, but geez. Isaiah 10, 27, it says, The yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing oil. The yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing oil. And he break that yoke off your neck. This speaks of oppression, bondage. And he talks about this anointing, the Holy Spirit, the oil. It breaks that thing off of your life that's been holding you back. It could be fear. It could be anxiety. It could be depression. It could be a number of different things. Some of you just haven't been able to step out. A, religious, a lot of us, we got religious strongholds. I can't tell you the number of people that tell me, like I said, well, I just got too much of this or too much of that or too much of that. You need to let that thing break off. You need to get too much of Jesus. Forget about what denomination you came from and say, you know what? The one thing that I need is Jesus. The menorah, it was full of oil in the tabernacle and it had seven lamps in the tabernacle. And Isaiah 11, it talks about the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon Jesus and the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. It's the sevenfold spirit of God. And they would take one... It, listen, it had to be constantly lit. 
It wasn't allowed to go out. And see, we have to keep that thing constantly lit. And it's intimacy with the Spirit of the Lord Himself that keeps lit and ignited wisdom and understanding, counsel and power and authority and knowledge and the fear of the Lord, the worship of God. It's that intimacy with the Holy Spirit that allows that thing to stay lit constantly. Here's my last verse I'm done. Isaiah 21, 5, it says, Prepare the table, set a watchman in the tower, eat and drink. Arise, you princes, anoint the shield. I thought that was so weird, anoint the shield. I looked it up, did a little bit of studying, but apparently, see, their shields were made, they had like a, a leather, it had leather covering it. We know, we know in Scripture that the shield is what? It's the shield of faith, right? And it had leather, and if they were getting ready for battle, they would have like some, some time with their weapons, you know what I'm saying? They would, start, they would be getting their weapons prepared for battle. And the question that I have for a, a lot of folks is, are, are you preparing your weapons for battle? Do you have the shield of faith anointed with oil and prepared for battle? So that when, when the, a lot of times the battle comes, and if we're being honest with ourselves, we ain't quite ready, are we? It's like we get hit with 37 darts, and then we say, oh man, maybe I need to pick my shield up. And at that point, it's a little bit too late. And you're having to pull stuff out and you're bleeding and you're having to try to sew up wounds. Like, you know what I'm saying? He says, get your shield ready. Put the oil on it. And this way, even when it would be supple, sometimes they would hit it. It wouldn't make as good contact. There would be glancing blows. What the enemy would try to shoot against you just wouldn't stick. But here's the thing. At the end of the day, what God's calling us to, we have to long and desire and hunger for the presence of the Lord. And it starts in small places. And here's the thing. I, I, even though this seems like a strong and a harsh word, I hope you sense like the, the, there's, almost, there's an excitement to it. Does anybody sense the excitement to it? Because I'm telling you, when the oil comes... You're going to see God do things in your life and in others' life and through you that you never imagined. That you never imagined when the oil comes. And so, He wants us to hunger. He wants us to thirst for that. Now, here's, here's what I want to do. I want us to take... They're going to sing a song right here. And let's, let's just take five minutes in the presence of the Lord where you seek His face. And you, if nothing else, what you're going to do is you're going to ask Him, Lord, I don't have this hunger. And I need this hunger. I need to be anointed with fresh oil. And I need you to give me a hunger for your presence that I've never had. I need you to grace me with the, with the desire to seek after you. And even though I've got a busy life and a million distractions, there are times that we can find intimacy, Lord, where I can make you a priority in my life. I can put you first because I know that I need oil and I do not want to be a foolish virgin. I don't want, I don't want to be a one that doesn't have oil when it's most needed in the darkest hour. I want to have my lamp trim and burning and bright so that I can see exactly what I I'm living in and exactly the steps that I need to take and most of all I can have clear vision to see you Jesus. Amen. So I'm, I'm going to let you do what you need to do here. You can do it at your seat. You can stand up and worship. You can come around the altar. Whatever you want to do but just, just they're going to play this one song and then we'll go from there but just take a moment right here to seek the Lord.